welcome to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. Our mission is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus. One of the ways we do that is through the preaching of God's Word, centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's this week's message. We are in uh, a new series uh, looking at 1 John chapter 1, 1 John chapter 1 in a series called uh, The Light Has Come. And so we're going to study this book for the next foreseeable future uh, line by line. And one of the reasons we do that is it helps us learn how to read the Bible and to study. And when you're studying a book of the Bible, context is incredibly, incredibly important. And so let me catch you up with what we talked about. Uh, This is the the disciple John, the apostle John, uh, writing a letter to a young, struggling little network of house churches. And what has happened is a lot of uh, the people attending these house churches uh, have left the faith, have followed uh, Gnosticism, and have just kind of quit. And what John is doing is he is encouraging these new young believers. And what I talked about last week, if you're going through a difficult time in the faith, struggling with sin, or maybe something uh, difficult has happened in your life, this is a great great book, but also we read in uh, 1 John 5, 13 that his ultimate purpose for these believers is the assurance of their salvation. He said, I want you to know that you have eternal life. Man, did you know that you can know you have eternal life? And that's a lot of what this series is going to be all about. And so last weekend, we talked about uh, the first four verses of Jesus's real life that is revealed in the Word. That Jesus is not just religion, but we see that Jesus is real life to be experienced, that he's not words on a page, but he's a relationship to have. And then we learn that this Jesus is real life that needs to be shared. And today we pick up in verse five, we'll read through two, two. Let's read together. It says, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, uh, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Let's pray. Father, we come to you now as we open your word. I ask for your help. Lord, I pray you would open up Uh, our eyes. God, open up our minds, our hearts to hear what you have to say. God, as I've been praying all week and all weekend long, uh, Lord, I just ask for you to move in this time. God, I need you. Just as that song we sang, uh, Lord, I depend on you. And God, I pray that you just uh, say what you once said and move me out of the way. Open up our hearts, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so before we can talk about light. Uh, Let's talk about darkness for a second. This is going to be a fun poll. Has anybody here ever been snipe hunting? Raise your hand. Oh boy. All right. How many of you, raise your hand if you've never been snipe hunting? Okay. 
Now, one more poll. Raise your hand if you have no clue what snipe hunting is. Man, I'll tell you, no joke, meet me right here at the sound booth after service. We're going to have a talk. We're going to schedule a trip. It's going to be a lot of fun. So one night, uh, we and some friends were hanging out, and uh, we went snipe hunting. And flipping through a lot of the details, I ended up uh, about half a mile away from a cabin in the pitch black dark looking for snipe. All right? And so uh, I was out there in this field, and, and, uh, and, and I saw I was a long way away from the light, and I had no flashlight. I had nothing. And man, that is a scary place to be, to be in the pitch black dark. Isn't that right? And man, what I did is I ran in the briars, and it just began to claw my legs up. And, and I was like, dang it, man, if I had a, a flashlight, that would be better. Well, then lo and behold, I hit a log, face down, hit the dirt, okay? I was like, dang, that hurt, man. I hit my head. And then it occurred to me, it was springtime. Man, there's probably rattlers all over my feet everywhere in the pitch black dark, but I, but I couldn't see. And so it was very dangerous. And walking in the dark can be very painful. If, if that illustration don't work, snipe. Man, go into your kids' rooms in the pitch black dark at night. That is the most dangerous place you can be at two in the morning. I mean, I've got Lego scars for days uh, all over my feet. You know, isn't it scary, man, just walking in the dark? And when, but when we turn that light on, we immediately can see. And what we're talking about today is spiritual darkness. And what I want you to know about living a life in spiritual darkness, it is very, very painful and a very difficult life to live. Do you ever feel like you're trying to pick yourself up, but you just continue to bump your head? Do you feel like you're, you're trying to get better, to do life better, to be a better uh, mom or dad, to be a better classmate, to be a better son or daughter? But no matter how hard you try, you continue to get clawed up by briars of life and, and, and trip over the logs of life, and you just continue to bump your head. You feel like you sink deeper and deeper and deeper. Well, what we're talking about today is spiritual darkness and how scary it is to walk in darkness. But I also want you to know that spiritual darkness and darkness in itself can be comfortable. And so today I want to define darkness and light. Spiritual darkness is the presence of sin and the absence of God. Hear that one more time. Spiritual darkness is the presence of sin and the absence of God. Now light is the presence of God and the absence of sin. And so maybe for some, man, you've been in a relationship with God. You've, you've walked in light, walking in the light of Christ, seeing who God is, what he's done for us, receiving it, beginning to obey the teachings uh, of Jesus. But man, it is so easy because listen, even when you come into the light, we never fully get over darkness. And one thing that happens is that darkness is very scary, but darkness can become comfortable as well. I think about when you go to a movie theater. You know, when you're walking down the hallway, man, there's lights and, and, and you can see well. You got your popcorn and your $8.50 Coke in your hand, okay? And you're walking down the hallway, but the minute you step into that dark theater, it is like blinding dark. You can't see anything. And it's unnatural because you're used to walking in the light. And you know something's not right because you can't see good and something don't feel right. But what happens when you sit in that theater? Your eyes begin to adjust. And this darkness becomes the new normal. This is a picture 
of walking in spiritual light and darkness. And so why is today's message important? I believe today's message may be life-changing. It changed mine. And so why is today's message important? Listen, anywhere where there is an absence of God, there will be an increase in darkness. You're like, okay, well, what does that mean? I want you to look in homes, in marriages, in schools, communities, and countries when God is absent and there's a void of God, there's an increase of wickedness and darkness. And so we see that. Think about whole communities that where there is no church, we see there is an increase in darkness. And we see that this is a, a huge uh, part of, of this, this big story we're caught up in, in light and darkness. And so we need to be carriers of the light. Today is important because when light comes into lives, when light comes into hearts, when light comes into homes, when light comes into churches, when light comes into communities, when light comes into schools, when light comes into workplaces, everything changes when the light comes. So today, the message is going to be all about how do I walk in light? I just want to share that with you. If this light is life-changing and has the ability to change all the things you said, I need that light. I'm going to talk to you about how. And walking in light is this. Take this with you. For you and me to walk in light, that's us living in God's design for our life. That's the best life we could ever live. So let's look, and I want to look, look with me in verse 5. It says, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. So how do I walk in the light? Number one, walking in light begins with seeing God's holiness. Walking in light begins with seeing God's holiness. Now, there's a distinction here. God, and I'm going to walk back and forth. I used to teach high school, and, and I used to teach U.S. history. And if I wouldn't walk around, the fall asleep. So over here, we see God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. So we see two great, uh, I, I guess, opposites here. We have darkness, and we have light. And God says uh, God is light. Not that he has some, but he is. It's this picture of holiness. And what holiness means is perfection. It means that God is set apart. There is no one like him. Before all things, God is. And who he is, is holy and good. I'll let you know, half of our problem, we don't pause to take the time to think about who God actually is. A.W. Tozer said this. He says, when you stop and think about God, that is the most important thing about you. And so as we stop and we think about his holiness, we have to know we must see him as he is and not what we want him to be. That's, that's important. When we make God who we want him to be, you see the Bible begin to crumble in denominations and you begin to see wickedness, not outside the church, but infiltrate the church. Because we have to see God as holy, that, that he is perfect and right and all he does and what he says goes. So let me give you three misconceptions uh, of misviews of God. Number one is the magic genie God. Like he's Will Smith in a, in a, in a bottle, right? Y'all ain't seen that movie, okay? I gotcha. He did, Will Smith did a great job with Aladdin, in Aladdin, I'm telling you. Great genie. But he's a genie in a bottle God. 
that basically when we get in a fix, we rub the magic lamp and we get him to do what we want, to manipulate him to do what we want. Uh, the second is the always friendly God. God just doesn't care about my sin. He, he, you know, it's like that country song. Jesus would probably be a lot like me. No, he would not, right? He would not. The always friendly is my buddy. He doesn't care about my life. And then the third, and I believe this is a lot of us because this was God to me, is the mystical figure God. Like there may be something out there. I'm not quite sure what it is. and I don't know if he's playing chess with everything going on in the world or maybe he doesn't care, but, but there's just a God out there. And I, I don't really care to know him. But what I want you to know today is that you can know God. You can know who he is, what he's like. And we learn him through his word and through our experience. If you missed that, go back next week. But let me understand, understanding holiness is critical to understanding God's goodness. Every time God shows up in the Bible, uh, it, it is not um, people are just like, hey, God, tell me about the dinosaurs. How did that all work, right? Like they're just talking to somebody in casual conversation. Uh, Moses, Moses said, God, show me your glory. And God said, listen, I'm gonna have to hide you in this rock because if you saw my glory, you couldn't stand it. And he hid him and his glory passed by. In one instance, Isaiah got to uh, experience some of the presence of God to see a vision of God. And what he said was, whoa, holy, holy, holy is God. I'm an unclean man amongst people with unclean lips. He was like shattered at the, the bigness and the, the magnitude of God and his righteousness and his goodness, his, his holiness. It was a fearful thing to be in his presence. Priests would have to go into the Holy of Holies. This is the, the inner sanctuary of the temple. And they had to be perfectly cleansed and right to be in the presence of God. Because, not because he's a bad God, not because there's something wrong. No, because he is just that good compared to us. He's good, he's holy, he's right. And so as we look at just who God is, this is why seeing him rightly is so important. Because when you understand, when you come into the presence of greatness, it changes how you respond, correct? Yeah, I think about one of my favorite pastors, um, uh, J.D. Greer tells this story, it's so funny. Uh, he was at a, a golf tournament, I believe, and uh, he was a younger man. And at this golf tournament, Michael Jordan shows up. I mean, the Michael Jordan, right? I mean, the, the one, the one that all-time greatest of all time. If, if you say, LeBron, um, I love you, you're wrong. Um, this is the greatest. And him and his buddies were there, and he was coming by in a limo, and the window was open, and his friends, being funny, I'm, I'm probably butchering this story, but I, I promise you most of the details are right. When, when he, they push him, and he gets thrown into the window looking into the limo, and right there, two feet from him, is Michael Jordan. I mean, he's like close enough to like touch him. And so you think, man, I get one opportunity to be in the presence of Michael Jordan. And J.D. Greer says, when I came into the presence, he said, I shut down. Like I couldn't, I couldn't speak. I, I didn't know what to say because I was truly in the presence of greatness. And so the question becomes, how do we respond when we come into the presence of God? What is our response? Do we see him and respond as he actually is? I want to tell a story again with darkness and light. In the beginning, this holy God, this perfectly righteous God, he created us. In the beginning, he spoke in Genesis 1.1 and he said, let there be light. And there was light. 
And it says that darkness covered the surface of the deep. And he says he spoke and there was light. And he said the light was good. And he went to creating. And then on the sixth day, he said, let me make mankind in my own image. Male and female, he made them. And Adam and Eve were born in the garden, in a garden that was perfect light. There was no sickness, no sin, no shame, no darkness. And so we see right here this picture of perfection. And Adam and Eve, just like me and you, we were designed to live with God and live in this light for all eternity. So we see this perfect, holy, good, righteous creation. And we see that God, again, wants us to live in that for all eternity. But we begin to see a problem. And that problem, everyone take it with me, is sin. It is sin in our life. And so we see God, Adam, and Eve. And when sin, and what sin represents is us choosing to be independent of God. It's this picture of us wanting to do life our way. And so it's not that God was bad. No, God was really, really good. It's just that there is something in us, in a tempter around us, that wants to drag us away from God's goodness. That's sin. And so what do we see that in God's good design, y'all, I want you to know, he wants me and you to live in light for all eternity. And in this light, Adam and Eve knew who their father was. They knew what they were created to do, to work, multiply, fill the earth. They were gonna enjoy their lives. And guess what? This is the cool part. They were gonna live for all eternity in the light. But we see darkness came in through a serpent and through a decision. And what happened when that decision manifested, darkness came into the world, it came into us, and what it created was separation from this good design to the brokenness we find ourselves in. I mean, think about it. I mean, think about many of you are probably dreading going to work tomorrow because of a boss, a coworker, the work, something. That is because of the fall from the good design. Now, let me talk about the holiness of God, the sinfulness of man. You know what the rest of the Bible is all about? God in his perfection, not leaving us, sending his son and giving us the commission to tell about his son who died, resurrected for us. And what we're doing is we're talking about him, we're sharing him. And the whole Bible is about God rescuing people out of darkness, trying to bring them back into their original design. The whole book is about it. But to understand that, we have to see who this God is to understand where we are. We have to see his holiness. And so I want you to maybe take the time to pause here and I want you to think about the holiness and the goodness of God. Of who he is. Not who you want him to be. Who is this God that we're hearing about today? And we're going to understand the rest of the sermon in light, but we have to see him rightly. Now I want you to read with me verses 6 through 9. Now it says, if we claim to have fellowship with him. Now claim is lip service, all right? Now, now that's vo- verbally, we claim to have fellowship. Fellowship is a picture of relationship, like walking with God. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk, that's action, that's our lives, that's what our lives look like. Not what we say, but what we do. And it says if we walk in darkness, remember that sin, separation from God, it says we lie and we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not 
in us. So I, I want to tell a little story, if you will, in that when we were first getting going, and, and it was before I had started the church, man, I, I was honestly reading the Bible a lot to hear from God and, and learning tons of new stuff, as I already are, but this is the first time I ever studied this passage. And I'm gonna be honest with you, I read five through eight, and it was a coin flip of God, what in the heck are you saying, right? So God's saying, he is light, we talked about his holiness, and it says what? If we claim to have relationship with this God, yet we walk in darkness, we lie. And we don't live out the truth. That His light is not in us, nor are we walking in it. And so I'm like, all right, God, I get it. Like, you're light, I'm not. But now, verse 8 says, well, if we claim to be without sin, and God don't have sin, we lie, and the truth is not in us. And so I read that, and I'm like, God, I'm somewhere in the middle. Anybody relate with that? Listen, I'm telling you, pastor church six years, I've got junk in me, God's still got to get out, all right? There's darkness in me, he's continuing to expose, and and I have to work through that and, and process that. But the question becomes, God, how much light do I need to be good with you? God, how much darkness do I live in that I'm too far from you? And what happens is there's a big question mark about whether we're in light. Am I preaching to myself or are you guys with this making sense? So I'm like, God, I, I want to walk in light. How do I walk in light? Read with me verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If you tune me out the rest of the day, take this with you. It hit me in my heart. One of the reasons we do church the way we do here, walking in light is not an absence of darkness. It's consistent honesty and confession about our darkness. Walking in light is not an absence of, but consistent honesty and confession of our darkness. And that that takes me to the second thing I want you to know. How do I walk in light? Walking in light means confronting and confessing our darkness. Now, I'm going to give a prerequisite. Some of you may have experienced this. A lot of times, the church is not a safe place for that to happen. I, I know this may be, like, for some, you're like, dang right. But when we were getting ready to start this thing, that was the first thing that came to me, is a lot of people feel that they have to cover and conceal what's wrong and show what's right to belong in the body of Christ. Jesus just said just the opposite of that. That, that this is always and always will be a place where it's, not, it's okay to not be okay. But what I'm telling you is it's not confessing and saying, oh, this is just who I am. It's confessing and believing this Jesus meets you where you are and he loves you enough not to leave you there, but to take you into light. That's what it says that walking in light is, but it starts with being honest about our darkness. And so we see, again, the church is not often a safe place for this to happen. This, this, this desire to kind of cover and conceal. Man, well, what? Man, I can't be honest with God. And maybe sometimes we think we're hiding from God, that God don't see us. Well, we just saw, man, he's light. He sees everything. There's no shadow that he can't light up. I think we sing about that, ain't it right? Yeah. And so what does this mean? Make it, you know, make it applicable. Again, Jesus meets us where we are when we're honest about where we are. And if I can share my story, I lived a lot of years not being honest about where I was. I wanted to appear better than what I was. 
I wanted to appear right to people to belong. And what I began to understand is that will lead you to a dark, miserable place. And the light you show and the darkness you conceal, it eventually grows and it begins to take over other areas of your life. You can't tame it. But I want you to know, when I understood that and I brought it into the light, there's a freedom and a joy in that that you'll, you'll never, man, I'm telling you, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like going. Because the one thing Jesus spoke against was hypocrisy. The, the people that showed their righteousness and concealed their darkness, you know what Jesus said about it? He said, man, you guys are like whitewashed tombs. Outwardly, you are beautiful, but inside, you're full of dead man's bones. Man, Jesus got real. You got That's some harsh language from King Jesus. Because he said, man, these people may think he got it, but I know what's here. And so you're saying, well, dang, man, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to be hypocritical. Listen, we talk about this in heart and soul, awesome experience you haven't been through. But how do I not do that? But how do I walk in light? Again, I still struggle, man. I have this, I have this, this, this ongoing battle of like I want to be in light, but I have to fight darkness. Well, well, welcome to the spiritual life. Welcome. Come join me on this walk. But this is what I want you to know. Transparency kills hypocrisy. You don't have to pretend to be anything you aren't. Be honest with God. Be a part of a community that loves you enough to walk with you in this experience. You're going to see growth like crazy. And so really three voices when it comes to sin and walking in light. We have three voices all the time when it comes to sin. It's the voice of self, the voice of Satan, and the voice of God. And so I want to give, um, you know, really how Satan lies to us. Because we just gave the opportunity. I mean, walking in light is being honest and transparent about darkness. We confess, repent, we come in. Well, well, why not? Well, number one, the number one lie from Satan is this, that darkness is better than light. Staying where you are is better than what God has for you. God wants to take things from you. Or, man, it's just not fair that God would. Or maybe God doesn't really care about. And the lie is that darkness is better than light. Number two lie, Satan will say that sin is better than our Savior. And that's self, uh, uh, craving this more than a Savior. And then sin in of itself, man, it feels good. Listen, if sin don't feel good, you ain't doing it right, okay? That's just true. But know this about sin. It always will overpromise you and it will always underdeliver. Always. And it will lead you to a dark place you never thought you would go. And so what do we do? Man, we have to trust the source of the voice we're hearing. I think about this past weekend. I went to the fair, stayed 20 minutes, spent $200. But, um, but one of the places I spent $10, I'm embarrassed. I'm always like, man, should I share this personal stuff? Anyway, I'm going to let it ride. So me and Bella were going to get on a ride with her, and I saw this pull-up bar. And this gentleman, oh, man, y'all went, didn't you? Dang. <laughs> what a sucker. Anyway, uh, so it said, 10 bucks, you hang for two minutes, you can win $100. I said, I got that in my sleep, all right? I got that in my sleep. I said, Bella, hold on a minute. We'll get on your ride. Daddy's about to get us all some free uh, cotton candy. So um, I give him the 10. I'm like, man, I'm going I'm to rock this out in my sleep. I didn't inspect the bar. 
I didn't take into account I'm at a carnival or a fair, whatever you call it. And I, I, didn't, um, I didn't trust the integrity of the sources. I just saw, I can do this. I know I can do this. And sure enough, man, you get up there and the darn bar, it's that fat. So that's starting with. Then it moves, like it wiggles. So my hands are just there. And I made it maybe a minute or so and, and I was done. And Bella said, Daddy, you know that man's got a button and he can make that thing move when he wants to, is what she said. <laughs> and so I donated 10 bucks to that guy. So, <laughs> but that guy, man, he tricked me. Selfishly, I got got and I didn't stop to listen. Hey, is this wise? When you're dealing with sin, trust the integrity of the source. Hear that again. Trust the integrity of the source because I know what Satan wants to do. I know what our flesh and sin want to do. But what I'm talking about today is what God wants to do in your life. Trust the integrity of the source you listen to. And so we see that walking in light is honesty confronting and confessing our darkness. And so how can you apply this to your life? It's really simple. Be honest about where you are and keep coming into the light. Be honest about where you are Confront, confess darkness, keep coming into the light. You're gonna repent between now and heaven come. There's not gonna be a day you quit fighting sin. Some days, man, I'm like, can Jesus just hurry up? I, I'm, why am I dealing with the same things? Why do I continue to deal with this stuff? But listen to me. Keep going to bat, keep confronting and confessing darkness and receive his light. And God's got a great journey for you. The third thing I want to, man, the best news of the whole day. Read with me uh, chapter uh, 2, 1 and 2. It says, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. So God does not desire for us to be in darkness. I write this to you so you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. You might want to star highlight that advocate. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice. You might want to star highlight atoning. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sin, and not only for ours, but the sins of the whole world. Walking in light means trusting Jesus to forgive us. This is huge. Walking in light means trusting Jesus to forgive our darkness. And this is a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to do. But man, once you finally understand what Jesus has done and ongoing what he wants to do, it'll change the trajectory of the rest of your life. So two words I wanna talk about. We gotta explain atonement and advocate. Number one, atonement. Atonement means complete satisfaction. That means uh, total peace and something is paid for. I think about, man, I could tell a, a million stories, but, uh, but probably the funniest one, when I was with uh, Chuck Hill, one of our elders, so this is probably, anyway, um, I probably shouldn't tell this, but they got a new scooter, and on this scooter, I thought that I could drive a two-wheel vehicle. They had had it all of 10 minutes, okay? And to make it worse, Chuck's mom had already went a lap around. Everybody's excited. I'm like, man, let me get on that thing. Well, on a motorcycle or a two-wheel vehicle, man, when you when you pull that gas, it goes. 
And guess what? When you try and reach for that brake and you don't take your hand off the gas, it goes faster, all right? And man, I ramped the ditch, flipped off the back of that thing, dented that sucker. Been here 10 minutes, okay? I had broken this new thing to a point that Chuck's mom, she was nice, but that look she gave me, I, wasn't, I knew I was in trouble, okay? I done messed up. And to make atonement for is to go and to completely pay for the damage you've done. And I want you to know something about our sin. There is not enough jobs to work. There's not enough churches to plant. There, there's not enough small groups to start. There's not enough times you can serve here. There's not enough times reading your Bible. There is nothing you'll be able to do to atone for the darkness in us. We, we cannot do it. That trying, trying to be in darkness and get to light, it's like Fred Flintstone when he gets ready to run. You can work really hard, but there's no way to atone for sin in us because God is perfect. And so we have a problem. We have a perfect, holy, just God. We have a very sinful people in a very sinful world. And what God did, he said, there's only one way to atone for this sin. I'm going to send a perfect representation, my son Jesus, to the darkness these people live in. And I'm going to pour the payment that we all deserve for our sin, I'm going to pour it on him. And his last words, you know what he said? It's finished. It's paid for. It's done. I, he paid, and not, not just for specific sins. Read with me in verse 2. It said he paid for the sins of the whole world. He made a pavement, a pathway from whatever darkness you're in, whatever your household looks like, whatever your neighborhood looks like. He paid the path from heaven to you to come to your seat and say, come with me, I'm taking you back to God in light. That's what he did on the cross. He atoned for it. It's done. It's paid for. It's finished. And what it means is that if we'll trust that sacrifice, we'll place our faith in Jesus. That righteousness and satisfaction is ours. And then once you do it, I want you to, I want you to understand what it means for Jesus to be an advocate. Because listen, even when you have the light of Christ in your life, you're still going to mess it up. You'll mess it up a lot. But thank God we have an advocate. And you know what an advocate does? It can, he continues to go to bat for us, continues to, to intercede for us, continues to plead your case. Over and over and over again, he makes intercession for you. It says in Hebrews that he's a perfect high priest. So you're like, man, well, what is Jesus doing now? He's preparing a place for heaven, and he is praying and covering you by his blood right now. If you're wondering what Jesus is doing, he's still fighting for you. He's still covering you. He's loving you. He's helping you. So we have a, 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 an atoning sacrifice for our sin, and we have an advocate that is on our side. And to understand this, man, I think about it like a courtroom. Imagine you're sitting on the stand. On the wall of the courtroom, it says the wages of sin is death. That's any sin. I mean, that's back, I remember one of my first ones, I can remember, my little brother was making, messing with me. I pushed him, he couldn't talk yet, bumped his head, went to screaming. Mom and dad come in and said, what happened? I said, oh, he fell. Lied, just cold, dark-hearted sinner, right there, six years old, right? From that sin on, the wages of sin is death. So it's in this courtroom. And imagine a judge who knows your whole life begins to list out the charges, and if it's me, y'all better grab a sticker. We're going to be in here a hot minute, okay? And he lists out the charges. 
And it's clear, man, it's in the courtroom, the wages of sin is death. And it gets ready to hit the gavel. You know justice is coming down. And all of a sudden, an advocate, a defendant, uh, 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 your, 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 your defender in the courtroom says, whoa, stop, judge. Everything you said about Buck, you're right. But here's the deal. I know that you're a just judge. You're going to do the right thing. You've you got to remain perfect and holy and right. And I'm going to allow that to happen. This is what I want to do. I want to get Buck off the stand and I want to sit in his place. And I walk out of the courtroom and on the way out, someone hands me a, a, a letter, a book. It's got six, six books called the Bible. And it's a love letter of why that defendant did that for me. That's what this book is. And I never have to go back to the courtroom, ever. That, that's what Jesus did for us. And so that means that we are justified, just like a courtroom. When you receive Jesus by faith, he lives on the inside. When you have the light of Christ, you have been justified. It's done, fully satisfied, atoned for, met. You don't have to go back over and over and over again. It's been done. But now we're in what's called the process of sanctification. And take this with you. This is the ongoing process of becoming more and more like Christ, fighting darkness and walking in light. And this is a messy process. This is long, but this is what we are once we've been saved and forgiven. And if I could, and this is growing in Christ, making disciples, being people of light. And I'm just gonna speak to, to our time and place in the Bible Belt South. You wanna know what I believe because we're in such a Christian subculture? is that so many people are walking around with a question mark on their head about their salvation when Jesus came to give an exclamation point. So many people can't get going because this is me because you're constantly wondering if you're good enough, if you pray the prayer just right, if you, if you, you know, do this right, am I good enough? Is he, have I done too much bad to be forgiven? And what we do is we circle in a circle and we never can really get any traction because we've never been solid if ever he got started in us. I think about when I tried to go skiing, and y'all I ain't gonna lie, I turned out to be a pretty good skier. But in the early goings, I bet I fell on my face a hundred times. One day I think we tried all day, and then I finally put my skis up and quit. The hardest part about skiing is letting that boat pull you up and getting your feet solid and getting started. Once you get started, you can ski really quick really fast, but it's hard to let that boat pull you up and get your feet solid and get started. Many people aren't growing in their faith because they're not confident that they've been pulled up and can get started. And that's what I'm telling you. Somebody needs to hear that today because I needed to hear that. Got saved at 21, lived a couple good years. Four years after that, lived in sin, private sexual sin that came to light. And I, I was living in darkness. And I want you to know something. I, I, I'm, darkness is something that you consistently will fight. But it came to light, and I went to my pastor at the time, Billy Shiver, and I said, Billy, you were with me in the beginning. Do you think I really was saved? Because this is what I've been doing. You think it's true of me? And I'll never forget this. Somebody needs to hear this. He said, stop making a justification, a sanctification issue, growing issue, a justification issue. Now hear this, Buck, you need to receive what Jesus has done for you and walk in it. Somebody needs to hear that today. 
You need to quit wrestling. You need to receive what he's done for you and just start walking. By gosh, if you want to walk, grab your Bible, brother, start walking. You don't have to wonder if he did it for you. He's already done it on the cross. Stop with the question mark. Run out of here with an exclamation point. I'm his and he is mine. That's what First John's teaching us. That's what he wants you to know. And so we see that, man, we really, walking in light, just to kind of bring it together. Number one, it's seeing God is good. He's holy. We need more of him, less of us. Number two, walking in light is not an absence of darkness. It's consistent honesty, confession, confronting our darkness. And thirdly, we just have to keep trusting Jesus that he has forgiven us and will continue to forgive us. So as you deal with sin in your life, you can do one of three things. One is cover, confront and confess. And then I want you to know in Christ, you can begin to conquer your sin. You can have a pathway out. You don't have to stay where you are. Jesus has a plan for your life. He has a place he wants you to go. He has something he wants you to do. Not only does he want to bring you to heaven, he wants to use you to bring others to heaven. And part of me, part of the reason that I wanted to walk in light, that I heard those words from my pastor, that I received it and walked in it because I began to see God using me and I began to see that God would use me if I would walk in the light. The great part is not just your salvation, but it's the people around your life that are gonna meet Jesus because you said yes and said, I'm walking in light. There's people today, man, I'm just telling you, you see what's going on in our church? You see the pastors that are being raised up. You see the connect group leaders that are being raised up. You see the people getting saved and baptized. God desires more. And some of you are the very people that's gonna keep doing it. But I want you to know, you need to hear this. You can't have God's plan and keep your sin too. And ultimately what helped me walk out of my darkness, my closet darkness, is that I wanted more of his light and I wanted to be useful for the kingdom of God. And if you'd ever told me seven years ago I'd be a pastor, I'd have said, you are crazy. Let me just coach wrestling, build a little nice house on the farm and just call it, call it a day. But that's because God has plans for those that'll just say, yes, to walk in light. Man, I just want it for you so bad. I just, I want, we only get to do life one time. I want to see his kingdom come, his will be done. I want people in neighborhoods and places in this community and beyond that are in need of light that are walking in darkness, we are the people to be the agents of light to bring about real change in this community. We are. And so I bring it today. John 3.16 says that for God so loved the world, he, he came. You guys know the verse. That he brought his one and only son that whoever would believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And at the, toward the end of that passage, it says that many wanted darkness more than light for they're afraid of their deeds being exposed, is what it says. The light has come. The light has come. Jesus has come. And today, he's come to your seat. No matter whether you've come to faith in Christ or you're kind of in that weird middle or you, 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 not, you don't know Christ, He's come to your seat. The light has come. The question is, will we confront darkness, receive what he's done and walk in it today? That's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for me. Just as soon as I get done, I'm going down here. I know stuff in me and I'm going to leave it right here. 
right here in just a minute. And if today's the day you know that that justification, I need a relationship with God, right now is the time. Don't wait. Come to faith in Jesus today. And we're the kind of church, like I said, where you know, a lot of churches it isn't safe. It is a safe place here because we're not judging. We are celebrating with heaven today that you came to know Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I love you. Man, I love you. God, thank you for what you did for us on the cross. Jesus, thank you that the light has come, that you came. You did for us what, what we could never do for ourselves. And so today, to the person that has had the question mark, but today is exclamation point day. Today, justified, atoned for, paid for. I know, I know that Jesus did this for me. And I'm not sitting in the shadows. I'm coming out of darkness into light. You say, Buck, I, I want a real relationship with Jesus. I, I want to be set free. I want the joy, the peace, the love. I want what Jesus has for me. I, I'm ready to come out of darkness and walk in the light. I, I, I want a relationship with Jesus. I'm being honest with God, honest with myself. And I want a relationship with Jesus. If that's you today, man, today's the day. Would you just lift your hand and say, that's me today. I want a relationship with Jesus. Is that anybody in the room that would say yes? Amen. Yes, sir. Amen. Praise God. So if God's working on your heart, you know, you're not the only one today. Or I had one person say yes to Jesus. Is there anyone else in the house today that said today's the day, the day of salvation? Amen. For the rest of us, Lord, as you bring the things to mind, I pray that, Lord, maybe as we're wrestling with sin, that we wouldn't keep our eyes just focused on the sin, but Lord, would we look to the Savior? Lord, would we look to what you've done for us? In Christ, it is a glorious thing to confess and repent and to see the cross fresh all over again. Lord, may we preach the cross to ourselves every day. God, may this light be true of us every day. God, would we be reminded, even on our darkest days, where we question, is it true of me? Is it true of me? May we remember the cross, that it was fully satisfied in you, Jesus. Thank you. So, Lord, I love you. I love this church so much, God. I thank you. I, I thank you for what you're doing here. I thank you for what you're doing here. Jesus, I ask as we respond in song that we would respond accordingly and give you worship, glory, because you're worth it. We love you, Jesus. In your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, we got a new brother in Jesus today. Uh, And so, man, if, if, if you made that decision with like prayer, I have a couple of connectors right here. would love to, to pray with you. And, and if you just want to pray down front to yourself, man, we'd love for you to do that. If you feel God calling you to take a next step, uh, we want to know and man, would love for you to stop by the next steps table. And as always, man, it's such an honor to love and serve you through the preaching of the word. I pray that you are blessed and that God moves powerfully in your life. I love you so much. Jesus' name. Thanks for tuning in to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. We pray that this message stirred your affections for Jesus. We would love for you to subscribe to the podcast and share it with others. For more information about our church and other resources, please visit ConnectionDublin.com.